Hello there, Patriots fans, and welcome on in to episode eight of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. My name is Mark Schofield. Happy to be with you today, Saturday, November 2nd, on one of our newest shows here on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. Now, each Saturday, Radio Rewind will bring you the best of what the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network had to offer over the course of the previous week from all of our shows. From the flagship Pat's Pulpit podcast with Rich Hill and Alex Shane to Patriot Nation from Pat Land and Ryan Spagnoli, our instant reaction shows, our new show, Pulpit Playback. Hopefully you caught episode two, which dropped this week from myself and Pat Lane and the Sco Show with yours truly. In addition, this will give us here at Pat's Pulpit a chance to get you caught up on Saturday with any last minute news before the weekend really gets rolling. Also, we dive into the college slate on this show. Highlight some games you'll want to watch, some big matchups, and of course, some players to scout if you're into that sort of thing. Also, we've got some great music to bring you in and out for this show. That is Hope from Hedda Music, and you can check them out at hedamusic.com. Now, don't forget, these are just snippets of the shows you'll hear every day on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, and you can get these all by subscribing to Pat's Pulpit via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Don't forget to leave reviews for us as well. Five-star reviews are always appreciated. Now, of course, we'll talk injury news here at the outset before the huge Sunday night game between the New England Patriots making that trip down I-95 to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Both teams releasing their final injury report late Friday afternoon. Questionable is the only designation used by either team. For the Patriots, running back James White popped up on the injury report, listed as questionable with a toe injury. Rex Barkhead, again, his foot injury has him on the injury report with that questionable designation. Julian Edelman's ongoing chest and a shoulder injury now has him listed as questionable. Wide receiver Garner Olszewski, ankle and hamstring injury. Matt Lacoste with a knee. Tight end Ryan Izzo with a concussion. Shaq Mason, who was out last week with his ankle injury. And Patrick Chun dealing with some heel and chest injuries. The Ravens have a number of players as well. Wide receiver Marquise Brown with an ankle thigh. Guard Patrick McCarry with a back. Linebacker Patrick Wansonor with an ankle. Cornerback Michael Kennedy with a thigh. Cornerback Jimmy Smith with a knee. Earl Thomas, their safety with a knee injury as well. And safety Bennett Jackson with an ankle. Now again, only players listed by either team are given that questionable designation. Now for the Ravens, Brown... Did not practice on Friday. And Jackson, the safety, did not practice on Friday. Now, they're hoping to get Brown back for the game. He has caught 21 passes this season for 326 yards and three touchdowns. Ravens are also expecting to get Jimmy Smith back. He has been sidelined with a knee sprain since the season opener. But he was given a full participation designation for Friday's practice. White's arrival was new. He caught... Four passes for a season-high 75 yards on last Sunday against the Browns, but he popped up late. All but Lacoste, Izzo, and Mason were active last week. Now, of course, there was other news late Friday afternoon. Josh Gordon was waived by the Patriots. He was claimed off of waivers by the Seattle Seahawks. Something of an interesting move by Seattle. Obviously, they drafted DK Metcalf in the draft. They have Tyler Lockett. But look, We know what Josh Gordon can do on the field. It's a question of off the field. And off the field was apparently the reason why the New England Patriots decided to part ways with the wide receiver. 
dependability on and off the field was rumored as the reason for the Patriots' decision to part ways with Josh Gordon. That was a report that came up from Tom Curran from NBC Boston. He pointed out that there would be rumors around Foxborough about the team having issues with Gordon being late to meetings, coaches having a hard time locating his whereabouts, and just a general feeling of uncertainty and a lack of a dependability with Josh Gordon. But now he's in Seattle. We do still wish the best for Josh Gordon. Still a fantastic player. Obviously, we know what he's dealt with, but we all want to see him succeed. Let's turn to the college slate now. I've said this before on this show when it comes to Radio Rewind and setting the stage for what we're going to see in the college game. It's not the best week of games. We're really all sort of waiting for next week when we get Alabama-LSU, which is the game that everybody's waiting for. I'm going to have some people down there that I know. A good friend of mine, Shane Alexander, is going to be there. Friend of the Sco Show, Connor Rogers, co-host of the Stick to Football podcast on Bleacher Report. They're doing their Bleacher Report Stick to Football live show. They're going to be tailgating for that one. This is the must-see game of the season. It's to the point where when I was out with the kids trick-or-treating on Halloween night, talking with some of the other dads and that's the game people want to talk about. And so everybody's waiting for that one, but we got one more week to go before that. On this weekend, again, it's a thin slate. Best game you're going to get, earliest good game you're going to get, let's put it that way, 3.30 Eastern CBS, number eight, Georgia versus Florida. That's at Jacksonville, world's greatest, largest outdoor cocktail party. You get to see Jake Fromm in that one. He's an intriguing quarterback. You know he's going to get moved up boards. When he decides to come on. You know people are going to love him. But I have my thoughts on him. We can leave that for another time. But that's the big game in the 3.30 slate. And then the nighttime game. The main event, so to speak. Number 15, SMU at number 24, Memphis. That's the game that's going to be the site of ESPN's game day. It's a big one. Not many people were expecting SMU Memphis to be the site of you know ESPN's college football game day. When it came to early November. But here we are. If you're watching this game. And I would recommend that you do. And not just because I love my boy John Lamarakis, big L, big SMU guy. But there are two guys to keep an eye on for SMU. Obviously, look, quarterback Shane Bouchel, transfer from Texas, started to find himself again after losing the gig there. He's a fun player to watch. But running back Xavier Jones for SMU. You want to talk about vision. You want to talk about quickness. You want to talk about change of direction ability as a running back. He checks all those boxes. So keep an eye on that game. That Again, number 15 SMU at number 24 Memphis. So there you go. That will set your stage for the weekend of football ahead. Up next, the true heart of the Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind Show. Some of the best we had to offer this week. That's ahead on Episode 8 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. Mark Schofield back with you now on Episode 8 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. And we had another loaded show for you this week from our flagship show to the SCO show to Patriot Nation to, yes, installment two of Pulpit Playback. And the week kicked off with our instant reaction show from week eight this week. It was Ryan Spagnoli joined by Pat Lane from the parking lot of Gillette Stadium. In this clip, they're going to talk about the Patriots offense perhaps getting a bit on track against the Cleveland Browns. And there's even a special appearance by Pat's mom. Offense a little inconsistent again, tough find in their groove, but I thought Brady had a really good game, made some unbelievable throws, one to Dorsett, one to Watson, even that one on the on the second Edelman touchdown when he kind of 
uh, avoided Miles Garrett uh, in the pocket, rolled out right and hit Jules on the run. Um, I know I don't think you know his stats and maybe necessarily the score. Um, you know, kind of showed how how the offense played. I thought they took a, a, a step forward from last week. Yeah, well, I think I think the big thing with Brady is that he doesn't have confidence, full confidence in his receivers right now. But he also he really doesn't have confidence in his in his line right now. That's the biggest issue. Is the offensive line? The offensive line right now has been uh, has been struggling. Sorry, my mom's next to me talking over here uh, <laughs> in the car as we're leaving. But if you can hear him, but that's okay. Uh, so we're just going to dig into some some cheeses and tricks on the way home. Uh, that's our that's our ritual. The cheese victory cheeses on the way home from Gillette is our, uh, nice. is our ritual. So, so but uh, but you know, Brady, look, I, I think he struggled at points. I think you can see that he doesn't have confidence in a lot of guys, and that's why you see him go to Edelman so often because he knows that Edelman's going to be in the spot that he wants him to be, and if he puts it on him, he's going to make the catch. And I just feel like, you know, unfortunately, that because of the turnover at wide receiver, because of the injuries, um. It's so because of because of the um, because of the turnover at wide receiver and because of the uh, injuries on the offensive line, he just doesn't have a lot of confidence in the guys around him right now. And so he's fighting through it, but you know, but it's it's a little bit of a struggle right now. Then Monday morning kicked off with episode thirty-three of the Sco Show. It was a week eight glorious victory edition. And in this clip, I break down a pivotal sequence in this game where Josh McDaniel dialed up two critical screenplays that help the Patriots extend their lead from a one-score game back to a two-score game. You've given up a field goal. It's now a one-score game. If you go three and out here, the complexity of this game changes. The conception of this game changes. But Josh McDaniels dials up a running back screen. You had pressure on the last two plays. You go running back screen to James White for 59 yards. The huge block on that play, very critical block, basically at the catch point by Joe Thune. Because there's a defender in the vicinity of White that could potentially cut this down for a loss. Thirty makes the block. White springs it. You get a 59-yard gain. Fresh set of downs. He comes back to the screen again after an incompletion on first and 10 to Brandon Bolden on a hitch route. Looked like Haas. He gets second and 10. McDaniels comes back with a screen again, this time to Rex Burkhead. That picks up nine, gets you into a third and one. They run Shoney Michelle off the right side. He gets hit in the backfield by Sheldon Richardson, maintains his balance, stays upright, falls forward for the first down. Gets you another fresh set of downs. Next play, great pocket movement and presence from Tom Brady. Fantastic throw with the feet slightly unsettled. Get a zone look. You find Julian Edelman in the soft spot of the zone on a route crossing from left to right. Touchdown. And now 17-10 becomes 24-10. And you feel a lot better about this game after that sequence of events. Then on Tuesday, we had episode 167 of the Pat's Pulpit podcast. Our flagship show on the Pat's Pulpit podcast network. And in this clip, Rich Hill and Alex Shane talk about something that, frankly, not many of us have ever seen before. A defensive lineman intercepting a handoff. And then I want to start with this one, Rich Hill. I thought I'd seen it all when in 2010, Dan Connolly returned a Packers kickoff to like the four-yard line with the old loaf of bread carry on a special teams bungle. But I never thought I would ever see a defensive lineman intercept what's basically a handoff. We saw a lineman intercept a handoff against Cleveland. And if that doesn't sum up the Browns, I don't know what does. Oh, totally. I mean, we've seen 
a few times with Vince Wilfork dropping into coverage. That's one thing. If a line, if a defensive lineman drops back into coverage and makes the interception, I'm just, you know, I'm astounded and I'm happy for them, but I'm not confused. <laughs> when Lawrence Guy goes through the offensive line and literally just gets the ball tossed directly to him, I'm more than a little confused. I have no idea what the Browns were thinking there. Lawrence Guy had no idea what the Browns were thinking there. It was just a series of unfortunate events that I have not seen uh, accomplished by a team against the Patriots since probably the butt fumble when they had that series of, uh, you know, Patriots scored like a 85-yard pass to Shane Vereen. Then they had a fumble off the kickoff and then the butt fumble like all in a row. There was the Patriots scored like three times in 45 seconds, something absurd like that. This, you know, you don't have that capstone like the butt fumble. This was just as absurd. No, it was. And it's coming off of the 33 uh, beat down of the Jets the week before. This has been a very solid eight quarters of football for the New England defense. Tuesday brought one new show for you from the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, and it was episode two of our newest show, Pulpit Playback. In this installment, I was joined by Pat Lane to break down the New England Patriots divisional round win against the Baltimore Ravens back in the 2014-2015 season. And in this segment, Pat shares his thoughts about two of the game's most iconic plays. Well, you know what's interesting is that it, I, think, I think the thing is is that it's, it's usually the Amendola one because it's such an amazing play like in the fact that you just don't see it all the time. And, you know, you get Jules running down the sideline, you know, going with his arm back, you know, <laughs> stretching right. his arm out afterwards and everything else like that. But that Brady throw, you know, you, you almost forget about it. And then you see it again. And when you see that throw, you're like, my God, that throw is unbelievable. And that's I mean, that might have been the best throw he made all year long. Uh, never mind, you know, never mind in the playoffs. That throw was amazing, and they were losing by three at the time. So, you know, uh, that throw was was out of this world. So I think most people probably remember the Amendola catch more, but when they see that LaFell catch, they're like, Jesus Christ, that throw was unbelievable. On Wednesday, we had episode 34 of the SCO Show, and I was joined by our own Taylor Kyles from Pat's Pulpit. And in this segment, Taylor shares his expectations for what he's looking forward to on Sunday night. I think this may be, I think this is their toughest defensive test of the season. Cleveland was very good, very talented unit. Ravens got plenty of talent. I think Marcus Peters may be someone they can look to exploit in the passing game. We saw Julian Edelman kind of spit him like a top a few times in the Super Bowl. But this is a very smart defense, a lot of savvy guys, a ton of athleticism and speed. They rallied the ball well. They show you a lot of different things. They don't just sit back in one or two looks, you know, they run the gamut. Um, so we're gonna. It's gonna be a tough task for the offense, and then for the defense. Lamar Jackson goes without saying. He's an absolute freak athlete. He's a guy where if you're chasing him, you're probably not gonna get him. You know, you want to try to pin him in. So containing him is gonna be huge. But also, like I said, showing up the tackling against not only him, he's hard enough. But Mark Ingram because he's not quite as shifty as Lamar Jackson is. You know, he's not the kind of guy that's gonna make someone you know just have their foot in cleats in the dirt one way and then their body flying the other. But Ingram will run right through you, and he's a really, really tough guy to bring down. And then you got the speed on the outside from the receivers. A lot of tight ends on that roster. You know, they go high at that position every year. Pretty good offensive line. So this running game is one that I think is going to stress them a good amount with the diversity and all the things that Roman brings from the 49ers and San Francisco. So a lot of tests, a lot of things that I think are important to see what the Patriots can do 
heading deeper into the season once the playoffs come around because these are the kind of teams they're going to have to face. The Ravens are going to be there, I think, late in the season. So this is going to be a good test to see, you know, if they can. Uh, I think they're going to be fine. You know, I, I don't think that the Ravens are an opponent that they can't stay on the field with, obviously. I think the Patriots are the best team to see. But, you know, by that token, I also think that the Ravens present plenty of challenges that, you know, I think are going to answer a lot of questions that people may have about this Patriots team. Two new episodes dropped for you on Thursday. First up was episode 168 of the flagship show, The Pat's Pulpit Podcast. In this segment, Rich and Alex start breaking down the matchup game between the Ravens' skill players, their receivers and tight ends, and the defenders in the Patriots' secondary. Yeah, like I said, I, I don't think there's a single Ravens receiver who, on paper and skill for skill, is better than any of the Patriots' defensive backs. Uh, I think any number of the Patriots' uh, cornerbacks can match up on any one of these guys. I think Willie Sneed can be a Jason McCourty guy. Uh, I think Seth Roberts can be a Deron Harmon guy, honestly. I play, I, I wouldn't mind putting him in coverage. Uh, I mean, especially if you want to dedicate Jonathan Jones to Lamar Jackson the way you said. Uh, maybe J.C. Jackson on Seth Roberts is kind of a, a size disparity, but that's not that big a deal. I don't even know if I want to – Waste Stephon Gilmore on a, on a receiver, honestly. I feel like their biggest receiving threat is in the tight ends. So maybe put him on Mark Andrews, uh, Hayden like Hurst, that. Nick Boyle. Um, you know, so maybe because I feel like that's a, a big athletic mismatch. And if they run a lot of two tight end sets and Lamar Jackson can't run and he can't dump it off to a tight end, uh, what's he going to do, you know? No, I like that. I think that's probably uh, one of the better matchups you can think of out there. Uh, you know, with Mark Andrews, he's not the best blocker. He's a, a really big receiver out there. And so if you put Gilmore out on him, make sure that Andrews does not produce, make sure that he's not available as an outlet. Force Lamar Jackson to look to his second and third outlet option or second and third options, which like he's definitely capable of doing, but uh, if if you're covering Andrews, if you're covering Brown, there isn't that reliable other option, and then maybe he'll just go down for the sack and succumb to the pressure. So I like that. I would focus on just squeezing the pocket, squeezing it, and then maybe have Gilmore on Andrews. Uh, as you said, I think that Jason McCourty makes a lot of sense on Willie Sneed. I would put J.C. Jackson on Marquise Brown with Deron Harmon over the top. And then I would have uh, Devin McCourty kind of making sure that Lamar Jackson doesn't dump the ball off to one of the running backs out there. But I, I expect this to be a big game for this Patriots defense. And Jonathan Jones, for all the reasons that I've mentioned, is going to be my X factor because whether it's matching up against Lamar Jackson or having him go speed for speed with Marquise Brown, he is the perfect Patriots defender to take down this Ravens offense. Then on episode 35 of the SCO Show, Doug Farrar from USA Today and the Touchdown Wire came on to do some nerdy football stuff, and he talked about how he expects Bill Belichick to game plan for Lamar Jackson. Well, this is where it comes into the, you know, I know that you know that you know that I right. know kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I've never thought that Greg Roland has gotten his due as a, as a play designer and a, a designer of offenses, but, you know, one thing about the cover zero blitz, and this is especially true against Darnold, one thing that Belichick loves to do is to establish a pattern or a rhythm in a quarterback's head and then completely screw with it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everything you thought was true isn't. And if your offensive game designer is not up on that, and I think Roman will be, he'll, you know, he's going to tell Jackson, okay, we're going to get this, and then it's going to be that. The problem is Roman can only go on what Belichick has done before. 
And the defense is different this season than it's been at any other point in the Belichick era. Uh, partially because he has different personnel, partially because he's taken control of more of the defense. So I think in a, in a larger, more general, more abstract way, Roman has to coach Jackson away from, okay, if they show you this, that's what it is. It's more, if they show you this, these are the three things it could mean. And maybe you walk at, you know, up to the line of scrimmage with a different you know, package based on what you see. And I don't, I don't know how well they're going to do with that because I think, I think that's one area in which Jackson is still kind of figuring it out. But I, here, my, my overarching point is if you see a 3-4 base front, if you see tight, if you see cover three bail, if you see a, a zero blitz, if you see any of the things we're talking about and you think to yourself, oh, this is the way they're going to do it, I don't think so. I think in a game like this, this is the way they're going to do it for four plays in five different drives. Um, or five plays in four different drives. It won't be the one thing. And I think, the, I think a kitchen sink approach could be very interesting, not only for this game, but down the road. Because whenever we talk about the Patriots' historically great defense, you know, you get 50 sucks people on Twitter thinking you're the first person to say they've played nothing but crappy quarterbacks. Right. Um, that obviously is going to change uh, through the end of the season into the playoffs and coming up with different ideas and different packages in this game will tell Belichick not only about how to deal with Lamar Jackson, but also what his own personnel is specifically good at outside of the purview of what they've done in the first half of the season. And then on Friday, Pat and Spags were joined by Jake Logue from Baltimore Beatdown on episode 49 of Patriot Nation. And in this clip, Jake walks listeners through the current state of the Ravens and in particular, their offense. So far this year, you know, I'm a little bit pleasantly surprised, I would say. I think they've uh, done a good job in doing the things that I was expecting them to do, but uh, they've also done a good job in certain other areas as well. Uh, I was expecting a little bit of a drop-off on the defense, but uh, that certainly bared out in even more of a way than I would have imagined in the first couple of weeks. Um, and since then, they've kind of turned it around, which has helped them to get some uh, you know, big wins or at least one big win that I really wasn't expecting. And on offense, they've been really, really solid, yeah. man. I mean, they, uh, they were passing it really well when they needed to early in the uh, season there. It's been a lot more rushing the last couple of weeks, and they've just kind of, you know, grinded it out and did what they had to do and uh in the sense that they're more offensively oriented it's something that i'm not used to but uh they're doing it in a way that i am used to which is running the ball really well so sitting there at five and two heading into a critical game it's uh it feels good to be a little bit more comfortable than i can say i have been as a fan the last couple of years around this time so um i would say overall general sentiment is uh pleasantly surprised so far and uh you know in in a very good way so there you have it, friends, some of the best that the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network had to offer over the past week. I'd like to thank all our great hosts, Alec and Rich over at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, Pat and Spags from Patriot Nation, and all the guests we had on this week for their fantastic contributions to our daily effort to bring you the very best 
in Patriots coverage. Remember, you can get all these shows by subscribing to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere. And please do tell your friends, tell your loved ones about the shows. We'd love to have more people listening. The more people listen, the more great work we get to do. Please also leave some reviews if you can. Five-star reviews, always appreciated. Remember, friends, from the front office to the coaching staff to the sidelines to the players, and yes, to the hosts on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, there are no days off.